Welcome back to the Pro Journey Podcast. And in this episode, I want to break down the U.S. Youth Soccer competitive levels and what I'm calling it an explanation. So just for reference, man, it's kind of complicated, but I'm going to try and break this down as easy as I can. Again, I have these as tweets if you rather read it to understand it, but at least you'll have the audio version here as well. So without further ado, let's jump in. So like I said, there's a couple of levels to this. And the ones that I see are like this. You have recreational, you have competitive, you have elite competitive, you have ODP, and you have MLS academies. Now, that's not in a particular order. I just wrote them down in that way. So this is basically a general summary of youth pathways. And I'm going to also try and break down like the fees that go through them typically or that are associated with them. So let's look at something with rec or at least first a rec. Usually recreational costs 100 to 300 a season, sometimes a year, depending if you get real lucky. This is usually one to two practices a week with a volunteer coach. You're going to have games on Saturday. And for 99.7% of players, they are going to have terribly low skill. Like they're just not good players. They're low level completely. So it is a perfect environment for non-serious players or kids who just enjoy playing. And that's okay. Not everybody has to go be a competitive player. Now, what I will say is, this is a place where a standout recreational player will get pitched to then move to the next phase. So you're going to get something like a person coming to you that's a staff member somewhere and say, hey, we want you to join our U8 super elite team. Now, obviously it's not going to be super elite because if the kid is not great, the other kids are not going to be great. They're not going to put you on a super elite team. That's just a Budweiser's a buzzword that they use. So a typical cost for this would be like 1500 to 2500 a season plus tournaments, which will vary just depending on how much you do, but I would say at least 200 upwards of 1000 for the year. Then you got uniforms that'll cost around 300 bucks. And then you have extra club stuff that would be like camps or futsal, and this is gonna vary completely, but let's say it's just futsal. That's gonna cost you around $1,000 for the year. And then that doesn't include other stuff you do like private training or camps and all that. So keep that in mind. Now, this U8 super team is what we call, it's still competitive, unfortunately, or that's what we call it. But just for reference, it's really entry level and it really is developmental. But that's obviously not what it's classed as. And you got to be careful because parents, especially at this age range, um, if they don't have older kids, they'll definitely think that they're the next messy. And parents of this age range go nuts on social media. And long story short, clubs are not going to provide any real concrete developmental plans, especially cash cows. The training is going to suck. And it's really just about the dollar bills. So now let's look at a typical competitive team. So it's not the developmental. It's an average competitive program. This is going to be about a 10-month contract. You're going to have two to three trainings a week. You're going to have some sort of league participation, probably two tournaments a season. That's maybe four a year. You're going to have winter training, which is probably an extra charge. And a lot of times what you're going to see here is, you know, the typical coach will say something along the lines of, well, players at this age should already have these skills mastered and they don't want to do fundamental work. So they want to just take good players. So what does this mean? You're now going to have to go outside and pay for private training so your players can develop uh, skills. And unfortunately for a lot of trainers, what they do is just, you know, pardon my French, but bullshit cone drills that have no game-based application. 
So for me, cone drills where you do like two cone drills and some footwork stuff through it, those are freestyle. That's the American soccer version of freestyle, and that does not develop high-level football players, in my opinion. And the typical cost for this would be roughly $50 to $100 an hour. So let's do some math. If you do two private trainings a week at a low rate of $55 a session, that's $110 a week. If you do that four, for four weeks in a month, that's $440. Plus, you add in the monthly cost you pay for club, which could be anywhere from, say, $100 bucks to $350, if not more, a month. Then you got to add on your tournaments, the extra club trainings. It's not cheap, guys. It's expensive. So then the question becomes, if you need to use an outside, quote-unquote, skills trainer to develop skills, why should you play club? And the argument I get from a lot of people is, well, they need to play games. I don't disagree that kids need to play games, but one, if they don't have fundamental skills or core skills is what I like to call it, they should not be playing games. They're not ready for it. They have not earned the right to play games. One. Two, there's other ways other than just playing for a club to get games. You can do scrimmages. You could guest play. And I've already disproven this, by the way, because guest playing is one of the best things you can do. Do you need a player card to guest play? Yes. And again, there's workarounds for that. And like I said, it's just very hard because basically what's happening is you're being milked. If your kid has no skill and you're paying a pretty penny for it, and then you have to pay more money to train him, you're being milked. So it's difficult for you, man, and I understand. And, and let me give you this example because I think this will help. So uh, a friend of mine is basically like the general manager of a Ford dealership, one of the biggest in the country. And I asked him like, hey, before one of your staff can even talk to a customer, what do they have to do? And he's like, look, our, our staff are trained hours, like hours of training before they're even allowed to talk to a staff, or I'm sorry, a customer. We don't do that in youth soccer. We just take kids and say, here, go, play, because that's what parents want, even though they don't have training. So I'm going to read you this, but basically, a new hire orientation works this way. A week-long sales process training, 45 hours worth of training videos and portals. They must pass a test at the end of each portal with no less than a 90% score. Mandatory product training on every vehicle we sell. Shadow a selected senior sales rep. Daily recap on scenarios and product knowledge. And all of this is performed before a new sales rep, so a new staff member, even says hello to a customer. Like, does that not blow your mind? And yet we take kids that have none of these skills to even be able to walk on a field, on a competitive field, I should say, and they're playing games and we wonder why they can't achieve anything at a high level. So if we use this logic, kids should develop core skills before they play an official competitive match. And I'm gonna say official, because I think you can still have scrimmages and whatnot, but an official competitive match, they should have skill. And we just throw severely underskilled kids into places they have no right to be in. Now, I wanna look at like the actual landscape real quick of youth soccer, because I think this will help kind of brighten the horizon a little bit. So when I was a kid, in the early 2000s, there was basically one to two leagues per state. So in my state of Northern Virginia, just Virginia, but I lived in Northern Virginia, there were two leagues. There was ODSL and NCSL. And now, it's a complete and utter cash cow. Like, in my state, there are over 23 competitive leagues. 
It, it, it's crazy. Like, it's unbelievable. And to be honest, there's probably some that I'm missing, but it, it's crazy. Like, if you go to my Twitter feed, you can see a picture of all these leagues, and it's just turning to complete cash cow about having a badge on your shoulder. And it's like a, it's like a rat race. And every single youth league that wants to be, like, elite, they try to market themselves with this buzzword as exposure. Because they have a badge on their shoulder, and it says, if you play here, you have a chance to go to the next level. Well, half the time, the kids don't actually have the level to go to the next level, so it's just a lie. But, like, here are some, and I might be missing a couple, but these are the ones that kind of market you to the next level. You have MLS Next, and this is the pay-to-play version, not the MLS Academy one. ECNL, Sunshine Conference, and they also have another one. I don't remember the name, so there's actually two of those, but it's another conference. It's like National Conference. You have ODP, which is not a, not a league, but it's like a training program that used to be super relevant, and now it's not. Uh, you have USL Academy. You have UPSL Youth. You have GA, which is, I think, Girls Academy. And you have USYS Pro. Like, that's a lot of leagues, bro. And they all talk about exposure to the next level. And they all give you a badge. But the question I have for you, if you really think about it, if all of these leagues are elite... Why are, there, you know, why are they all basically saying the same bullshit? Hey, we're elite. We're going to get you to the next level. They're all basically fighting each other to be the number one elite club with a badge. But let's translate this to like Europe or South America. If you look at Europe, and let's use France in this example, they have 20 elite clubs because they're all in League 1. So because they're in League 1, they are the elite club. So everybody wants to play for their academy. Obviously, you're going to have people that want to play more for PSG, right? I mean, that's just how it works. England, the same thing. There's 20 Premier League clubs. So what's the point to this? There is a pyramid and a pathway. So you have to earn that to be in the elite. You can't just pay a bunch of money to have a badge on your shoulder that says you're elite. So anybody can be elite here by getting a badge. Now, I want to look at ECNL in particular. Their typical pricing for youth. And the average cost just for training is going to be $2,500 to $4,000 plus. The travel is going to vary because it depends on where you go. But I would say at a minimum $3,200 to over $5,000. Equipment, this would be like uniforms and whatnot. You're going to range in the upwards of $400 to $800. And they really sell you on this exposure word, man. But you really got to understand that just because you play in one of the leagues that promises you exposure means nothing if you don't perform and you don't know how to network. You're just paying for a badge. And what does that actually mean? The badge signifies elite and that they apparently have a pathway to help you, but I would love to know how often does an ECNL actually give you like college recruiting tips and like gives you segments on how to do that. I'm going to guess based on the people that I talk to that I train that play ECNL that have said they've never gotten something from them would kind of highlight the point. And unless you know what you're doing to go to college as the example, for example, how to network and how to contact schools, then you're screwed. But by the way, if you want help, I have two free courses on my website you can get today. Again, 100% free. You don't have to pay anything for them. And one of them will walk you through every single step from the moment you walk in your freshman year to the day you graduate. So, Just for reference, college recruiting has its own complex process and paying for a badge does not guarantee anything. Now, I want to look at ODP. When I was growing up, ODP was the pathway to get to the U.S. youth national teams. 
So like the U15, the U16, U17, so on and so forth. Then the new shiny object came out from US Soccer called the DA, the Development Academy. And this basically became the place to play where all the US scouts were going to DA games to find um, players. And this basically pushed ODP aside and it eventually limited ODP from even being a pathway to get to that level. So what's interesting is I saw on Instagram actually recently that ODP created a new program, so to speak, and this will blow your mind, and you can go find it yourself if you'd like. The ODP national team. Like, what is that? Like, to stay relevant, ODP had to create the ODP national team. And, like, I saw this because they brought the ODP national teams to Dallas Cup. Well, how often have you seen an actual national team participate at Dallas Cup? I've never seen that. Could be wrong, but I've never seen it. But here we are having, for example, the ODP national team 2007 at Dallas Cup. Like, that, that's crazy, but that's a separate point. So instead of having, you know, ODP players eventually get to the U.S. national team, youth national teams, they had to build their own to stay relevant. Like, to me, that just smells like a cash cow. So people have asked, though, oh, is it ODP still useful? I, I think it is. Like, the way that I would use ODP is if, like, again, my son's going through the system... I'm going to put him in ODP because I'm expecting him to be with people he doesn't know from like a player perspective and coach perspective. So it's going to be uncomfortable. But I'm not going to look at it in the way of, hey, my son's going to play in this league or with ODP and he's going to get exposure. So like that just doesn't make any sense. Like it just, there's just no reason. And now I want to move into the next segment. And this is really about the MLS next. So you may have heard this or not. Maybe you haven't, but there's a new league called NAL, and these are a bunch of MLS Next clubs that were paid to play that separated. So I'm going to talk about this in this way, and it's not about the NAL. I mean, it is, but it's, it's about MLS Next and MLS Academies. So MLS Next is basically the pay-to-play version. MLS Academies are the free versions, typically, of first teams, or like the academy of first teams from MLS clubs. So I personally think that MLS Academies can be worth it, whereas MLS Next, the pay-to-play model, is not. So, for MLS Academies, you get invited into it. So if you look at, again, I live in Orlando, so let's look at Orlando City Academy. Their U-17s, I believe, had 28 players. So that's basically two full teams. So if you play MLS Next in the Orlando area, and you're not on the Orlando City Academy, you're at a minimum third, fourth, or fifth tier. Because you're not number one, you're not number two, it'd be third, fourth, or fifth. So to get into an MLS Academy, you have to be identified and invited in. For pay-to-play MLS Next, or now what they're calling NAL, you don't have to, you just pay. So that's why I think it's a wash. So it's just about the badge, it's just about exposure, and to make an MLS Academy, just to clarify this, it's very hard. They're identifying hundreds, if not thousands of kids for a couple of spots. And they're probably looking at realistically, like one scout told me, they're looking at three to 5,000 kids a year at a minimum. And if you do actually make it, this does mean you're probably actually an elite youth player. And it is a pathway to the first team because you can get a MLS homegrown contract. Doesn't happen a lot, but it does exist. Now I do want to talk about with MLS Academies, like people ask me, is it worth it? Well, I'm going to give you the pros and cons list that I have. So this is my opinion. 
It is the highest level of youth soccer in the country because it's free and they can pick whatever player they want. They should have the best facilities and equipment because they're directly connected to the first team and the pro team. You should be surrounded by serious players. And like I said, it's directly connected to, for example, Orlando City's first team and Orlando City's B team. You're going to have like a future pro lifestyle where you're in virtual school and you have to train in the morning. And then you'll even possibly get a chance to train with a first or second team. Like they do a lot of movement sometimes. And again, everything is free. It's not pay to play. But just for reference, there are some cons to this. So it all sounds perfect, but you need to understand context, right? So here are the cons. Just so you know, because it's free, they can benefit from a model of compensation for formation. Now, only MLS academies can do this. Your MLS Snacks, your ECNLs, your grassroots can't. They have to do pay-to-play. Well, they don't have to, but they can't make money on players, where Orlando City Academy and all the other MLS academies can. So, what this does do, though, while it's free, if you have a goal of getting to Europe or South America, this can make it much harder, because... Now, a club like Real Madrid, if they want a player in MLS Academy, they have to basically pay for them. And if you're not in an MLS Academy, they don't have to pay. They can just take you. So as an example, if you play for my club, High Soccer Prospects, and you end up somehow getting an opportunity to go to Real Madrid, they do not have to pay me for you. If you're at an MLS Academy then there's going to be a transfer. There's going to be a compensation for formation because they're now coming to take a player from Orlando City Academy. So you just need to be mindful of that. And a lot of, not every time, but it may cause hesitation from a professional club like a Real Madrid, as an example, to come and take a player from MLS Academy because they have to now pay for them when they could go get somebody for free uh, that's not in an MLS Academy. So basically... This isn't, there's another one, but it's not necessarily a con, just something you need to understand. Obviously, in MLS academies, because it's free, there are no guaranteed playing time, and you have to compete with, like I said, you know, 20 to 30 guys, if not more, for one single roster spot, or 11, really, but, you know, everybody has different positions. So, if you want to have guaranteed playing time, then I don't recommend you go to an MLS academy. If you are okay with fighting it out, then going to an MLS Academy is okay and you have to deal with that. So just be very mindful of that because again, like I don't think a lot of people know that, but if you don't play for an MLS Academy, you're a free asset. They don't, they can't pay me for you or they don't have to, I should say. So at least I hope that helps and makes sense because that's not a small detail. Like I hope you guys take that in and really consider that because if you have an ultimate goal of getting to Europe or South America, then an MLS Academy might not be the best route because there's going to be a fee on your head. So just be aware of that, know that, keep that in consideration. If your goal is to go through the MLS Academy and stay in America, then you're good, bro, like no problem. But just be mindful and be wary because those are things that you may or may not have known. And that kind of summarizes the whole pathway at least. And I hope that makes sense to you. And I hope it brings value to you through the Pro Journey Podcast. And remember guys, if you can... You know, check out my content. I have a whole bunch of free stuff for you. You can get it for free. And I continuously post stuff on YouTube and Instagram, TikTok as well. Um, And the account name is Kyle C. Wilson Official. Kyle C. Wilson Official. Give me a follow. 
Help share the content, help spread the word as I'm trying to help educate you guys on what it really takes to get through the system and navigate it, man. So best of luck. If you have any questions or concerns, send me a message, uh, you know, a DM on Instagram, and I'll try and help you the best that I can. I try and get to everybody. And uh, you guys have a great night, man. Good day. Bye. Hey, guys. I absolutely love that you're checking out and listening to the podcast. And I only have one ask quickly, and that would be if you could please share this podcast with somebody else that you maybe know that is going through the system or struggling to navigate it from the youth soccer perspective. And that would mean the absolute world to me because as you know, I don't sell anything through the podcast and I don't have any sponsorships. And the more people that I can help, that is my overall objective. So I would absolutely love if you could share this with somebody. Take the five seconds to do so by sending it through social media or WhatsApp or whatever way that you like to share content. And I will make sure that I continue to deliver valuable and insightful content for you.